Well, as we assemble, our, I know our final colleague is joining us. I wish everyone a good evening and a happy new year. It is uh, a delight to be with you all here now that the calendar has turned over to 2023 and to convene us this evening, which is, in fact, one of the last things I will do as your chair <laughs> is convene us. Um, and then the actual last is the colleagues, I would like to open the floor for motions for nomination of chair for 2022, or 2023. Thank you, Madam Chair. I have a nomination. Uh, I'd like to make the motion and second, and then maybe if I can speak to the motion, that'd be great. I'll nominate Christian Dorsey for chair of the county board for this year. Second. Seconded by Ms. Garvey. And Mr. DeFrenti, please do speak to your motion. Sure. Um, over the past year, I've had the chance to work with Mr. Dorsey on the police, the community oversight board, the police oversight board, and it has been a joy. Um, we have um, agreed often, occasionally disagreed, laughed most often when we disagreed. Um, and he has shown throughout empathy, thoughtfulness, and commitment to the common good, which are hallmarks of his entire service on the board. And um, I will never forget my first day on this dais. Um, uh, Mr. Dorsey spoke about the grace, dignity, and honor that his predecessors as the third African-American to serve as chair had shown. And those three words absolutely epitomize your service. And so I've, I've seen at numerous other occasions uh, my wife memorably reminded me, you're pretty good, but what Christian said today was a rare talent. She just summarized it that way. And uh, that was appropriate and apt, um, extraordinary speaker, but also steadily and thoroughly prepared and always commitment, committed to what is best for all of Arlington residents. So it's my honor to nominate Mr. Dorsey um, I know he will serve this board and this community well, and I know um, we will be lifted up by his leadership. Thanks. Thank you. Mr. DeFerrandi, are there any other uh, nominees for the chairmanship role? All right, if that is the case, I believe we are ready for a vote. All those in favor of Mr. DeFerrandi's motion to nominate Christian Dorsey chair of the county board for 2023, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? That carries unanimously. Uh Wow, thank you, colleagues, and thank you, Mr. DeFerranti. May I live up to uh, the words that you mentioned in offering your nomination? Uh, they truly have touched me, and may nice things be said about me at my eulogy that mirror what you said right then. That would make those who love me very happy. Thank you, thank you. Well, moving on, it is uh, my pleasure, as my first act as chairman, is to solicit nominations for vice chair of the county board. So, are there any nominations for uh, someone to serve as vice chair? Mr. Mr. Chair, Karen Tonis. It will be my honor to offer the first nomination of your tenure. And I'm so happy that you accepted the nomination. You're sitting in this seat. So, uh, 
Mr. Chair, dear colleagues, I would like to nominate uh, Libby Garvey to be our Vice Chair for this year. Thank you. Is there a second? Seconded by Mr. DeFerranti. Would you like to speak to the nomination? I would like to speak to the nomination. So in the first, my first two years uh, on this board, I have had the opportunity to work with Libby uh, on quite a wide array of issues, both locally and regionally. In fact, I was welcomed on the board under her chairmanship uh, during the most challenging and uncertain times of the pandemic. And despite that, I received, uh, despite that, uh, I received a welcoming onboarding, uh, which was followed up by many, many opportunities of collaborative work. This is a long way to saying that I appreciate her collaborative leadership style. And I think that all we, we can all attest to that, and many more than not only us. So accelerated by this pandemic and by the national record of systemic racism and bringing democracy back from the precipice, here in Arlington, we are in a process of transition and this evolves uh, and sometimes recasts thinking on many critical policy areas uh, regarding any hot topic. I was always appreciative of Libby's openness and skill to widen the field of inclusion, uh, to make, us, make it possible to listen to more voices, to include more people in the conversation, and offer to many new and different constituencies new and different takes and ideas. So I appreciate her common sense and uh, her experience approach. These two things balance together. Uh, to, uh, to approach complex matters and their ability to communicate and tailor effect an effective way to different audiences forged by her very long record of service and experience. So the role of vice chair is important to me as it's important to everybody. And Mr. Chair, I think it's critical to the success of your office. And I have no doubt that Libby brings to the table the qualities, the temperament, and the experience to serve and excel in this role. Thank you very much. All right. So are there any other nominations? Hearing none, we will now move to a vote on Mr. Carantonis's motion, which was seconded by Mr. DeFerranti. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Is there any opposed? The ayes have it. Congratulations, Madam Vice Chair. And thank you, Mr. Carantonis, for those kind words. Appreciate it. Thank you. So now that the 2023 leadership team is set, it is my honor as my first official act um, that we recognize the leader of our 2022 county board. And it is now that I recognize Katie Crystal for her expert leadership in guiding the board, leading our community in the year that has passed. It goes without saying that Ms. Crystal is a model for uh, consistent excellence, and you displayed this throughout your year as chair, and actually during your entire tenure on the board, which we are all sorry that uh, you plan to bring to a close at the conclusion of 2023. You embrace every task, every issue, every concern with no discernible difference in attention to detail and caring. It is remarkable. And you take great pains to ensure that we as a board are as productive as that we can be and that each of us are engaged in the work of trying to make this community better. You are an incredibly tough act to follow. I mean that sincerely, but I am grateful for your example because it provides a template for me to emulate. 
So please accept as a very small token of our appreciation this ceremonial gavel, which marks your year as chair. You may have seen one of these at some point before, uh, but my recommendation for you this time around is that you place it on a very high shelf, lest it be used to destroy the wonderful home that you have built. So congratulations and thank you so very much. All right, now we have some administrative matters to attend to, a number of uh, actions that will facilitate our smooth year ahead. First is the adoption of the calendar year 2023 County Board meeting schedule. And for that, I will turn to Ms. Garvey for a motion. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, I would like to move that we adopt the County Board meeting schedule for calendar year 2023, which is attached to the board report dated December 27th, 2023. Do I hear a second? So seconded by Ms. Crystal, would you like to speak to it, Ms. Garvey? I can make just a few remarks. Um, we are required to adopt this calendar year um, at, our or, you know, at our calendar, at our organizational meeting. Um, and this particular calendar, like I think all of them before, <laughs> includes 11 regular and 11 continuation meetings, which we call our recess meetings, happen on Tuesdays. As we say, the regular meetings are scheduled again on Saturday, Saturday morning each month. Continuation meetings are scheduled for the Tuesday following the regular meeting. We do not, however, meet in August. Um, we also, of course, have public meetings on the FY 2024 budget and the tax rates, and those are scheduled for late March. And we adopted a preliminary schedule in, at our board meeting in November, and there have been no changes since then. Okay, thank you. Is there any further discussion on this matter? Seeing, hearing, uh, no further discussion. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Aye, any opposed? The ayes have it, 5-0. Calendar 2023 is adopted. Next, we'll move to consideration of our meeting procedures for this year. And for that, I'd like to turn to Ms. Crystal. Mr. Chair, I move that we adopt the calendar year 2023 County Board meeting procedures currently posted online as an attachment to the item dated December 28th, 2022. So moved and seconded. Would you like to speak to it, Ms. Crystal? I would. I'd like to speak to it briefly. I have not prepared our clerk to show it on the screen, but if that's possible, um, there are no meaningful changes from previous years with um, an exception of an illustrative change under item J regarding public comment. Um, uh, and specifically, we are illustrating um, a, a proposal uh, to, to give an example of the chair's discretion, which is to say there is new language you can find there that notes that limitations may be placed on the amount of speaking time given to all speakers when lengthy public testimony is anticipated. For example, when there are 75 speakers or more for one agenda item, the speaking time will be two minutes for individual speakers and three minutes for organizations. Do I, did I have a second? You did. Just barreled straight through. Okay, no, excellent. Um, so the intent here uh, is really about accommodating our long-standing commitment to making sure that every Arlingtonian who wishes to speak on an issue can be heard. This is important that it be the case not only de jure with the board adopted policies, but also de facto, i.e. not having hearings that go so late or so long that individuals who've signed up can't actually exercise their turn to speak. And so it has always been 
within, been within the chair's discretion to limit public testimony or to place limits on the amount of speaking time in order to accommodate everyone. That continues to be the case. Uh, but we've discussed including this um, example, about 75 speakers or more for an agenda item, so that speakers can have some predictability um, about that potential forthcoming change. Uh, we've all been working on honing our own remarks to five minutes or less. <laughs> I think we all know the experience of really trying to hit a particular time, um, and it is uh, certainly a frustrating experience to then have that time limit change. So being able to telegraph that this is the intent to make sure that everyone can exercise their time to speak, um, I hope will be helpful to our community members. Um, and then following that, you'll also note item K is uh, looks new, but is in fact, I think, a consolidation um, of content from elsewhere in our meeting procedures to really clarify um, uh, the rules for those who wish to bring materials accompanying their spoken presentation, how to do that, what to expect in terms of their time, where to deliver it, and so forth. Thank you very much. Is there any further discussion on this matter? We'll now move to a vote. All those in favor of these meeting procedures, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Ayes have it. And thank you, Ms. Crystal, for that um, explanation of what we intend to do. And I hope people not only uh, revisit that explanation, but read the procedures in their entirety so that uh, they can have fulfilling engagement with the board during our board meetings. Next, we'll move to item number five, which is adoption of the calendar, calendar year 2023 procedures for our budget and tax rate public hearings. And I'll turn to Mr. Carantonis. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, this is, uh, th these are the equivalent or, or similar uh, public hearing uh, uh, rules for these two very important 2023 uh, meetings the budget public hearing, which will be held on Tuesday, March 28th, and the tax rate public hearing, uh, which is slated for Thursday, March 30, 2023. The motion is to adopt the calendar year 2023 county board meeting procedures for the annual budget and tax rate hearings as reflected in the resolution that's attached to the board report that's attached to the agenda. All right, thank you very much. So moved, is there a second? Seconded by Ms. Garvey. Is there any further discussion? On this item? No. Hearing none, uh, we'll now uh, move to a vote. All those in favor, say aye. 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 Any opposed? The ayes have it, and the procedures for the tax rate hearings are adopted. Uh, thank you, Mr. Carantonis, for spotlighting that those will be on March 28th and March 30th. We look forward to uh, robust community participation then. Next, move to an item that may be a little bit more esoteric than the others, uh, but capably to lead us through it is uh, a motion on the calendar 2023 tiebreaker resolution. Mr. DeFerranti. Thanks, Mr. Chair. Under the Virginia Code, we have the ability, uh, the authority, the legal authority to designate a person to break in the event there is a tie, if one board member is absent, to break those ties. As long as I am aware, Arlington has not availed itself of that um, that option, but in part because I think we share a, a view that we should, um, in that case, seek to be collaborative and, and work to a resolution. That doesn't mean we don't have instances of 3-2 votes, um, but this motion um, continues that tradition. So I move that we take the following uh, tiebreaker resolution, which reads as follows, be it resolved that the Arlington County Board determines that there shall not be a tiebreaker whose duty it would be to cast the deciding vote in the case of a tie vote of the members of the Arlington County Board during calendar year 2023. So moved. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Ms. Crystal. Is there any further discussion on this matter? Hearing none, we'll now move to a vote. All those in favor, to say aye. 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 Any opposed? 
The ayes have it 5-0. There will be no tiebreaker for year 2023. Next, I would like to move some appointments to regional groups as well as designate chairs for some of our advisory groups. <clears throat> so first, I would like to move that the county board appoint to the Metropolitan Washington Council of Governments, all for terms expiring December 31st, 2023, reappoint Christian Dorsey to the board of directors, reappoint Takis Carantonis to the National Can Capital Region Transportation Planning Board, reappoint Takis Carantonis to the Metropolitan Washington Air Quality Committee, reappoint Takis Carantonis to the Climate, Energy, and Environment Policy Committee, reappoint Libby Garvey to the Chesapeake Bay and Water Resources Policy Committee, reappoint Takis Carantonis to the Human Services Policy Committee, reappoint both Mr. Carantonis and Ms. Garvey to the Region Forward Coalition, and reappoint Libby Garvey and Matt DeFerranti to the Food and Agriculture Regional Member Policy Committee. Next, for the Northern Virginia Regional Commission, four-term, ending December 31st, 2023, reappoint Matt DeFerranti and Libby Garvey to serve on NVRC. For the Northern Virginia Transportation Commission, terms expiring December 31st, reappoint Katie Crystal and designate uh, her as the Virginia Railway Express Operations Board appointee from Arlington, reappoint Libby Garvey and designate her as the VRE uh, Operations Board alternate from Arlington, and that we reappoint Matt DeFerranti and designate him as the Washington Metropolitan Area Transit Authority appointee from Arlington. Next, for the Northern Virginia Transportation Authority, for terms ending December 31st, 2023, that we reappoint Katie Crystal, and that we also appoint Matt DeFerranti to the NVTA Planning Coordination Advisory Committee. Next, I will make number of motions for chair designations. <clears throat> First, to the Advisory Committee on Transportation Choices, designate Joshua Fulb as chair for a term ending June 30th, 2023, and designate Elizabeth Kiker as vice chair for a term ending June 30th, 2023. And for the remaining designations, these will all expire December 31st, 2023. First, to the Audit Committee that we designate Christian Dorsey as co-chair and designate Takis Carantonis as co-chair. To the Citizens Advisory Commission on Housing that we designate Kellen McBeth as chair. To the Civic Civil Service Commission, designate George Bailey as chair. To the Climate Energy, Climate Change, Energy and Environment Commission, that we designate Joan McIntyre as chair and Carrie Thompson as vice chair. For the Commission on Aging, that we designate Linda Kelleher as chair and William Way as vice chair. For the Crystal City Citizens Review Council, that we designate Michael Dowell as chair. To the Disability Advisory Commission, that we designate Elizabeth Prio as chair. For the Economic Development Commission, we designate Bill Dunn as chair. For the Fiscal Affairs Advisory Commission, we designate Peter Robertson as chair. To the Forestry and Natural Resources Commission, we designate Phil Klingelhofer as chair and Kate Donahue as vice chair. To the Historical Affairs and Landmark Review Board, we designate Omari Davis as chair. To the Human Rights Commission, we designate Helen Ann Connolly as chair and Christopher Wimbush as vice chair. And for the Joint Facilities Advisory Commission, we designate Stacey Snyder as chair and Wells Harrell as vice chair. 
For the Partnership for Children, Youth, and Families, we designate Janetta Brewer as co-chair and Dave Carlson as co-chair. For the Park and Recreation Commission, we designate Shruti Koopa as chair and Jill Baker as vice chair. For the Planning Commission, we designate Devanshi Patel as chair. For the Technology Commission, we designate Frank Jazzo as chair and John Burke as vice chair. And finally, for the Tenant Landlord Commission, we designate David Tim as chair. These motions do not need a second. Is there any discussion? We will now move to a vote. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? The ayes have it. Congratulations to all of you for your reappointments and two designations. I know at least one of the designees is here in the audience. Welcome tonight, Mr. Wimbush, and congratulations to everyone who is uh, serving us in this capacity. We very much appreciate all that you have and will do for us in the year ahead. Okay, moving on. We now get to have some conversations that begin with remarks from the board. And so, uh, I will take the pre uh, prerogative and exercise what I hope will be a rare opportunity to put myself first before my colleagues in delivering some remarks that uh, outline some priorities for the year ahead. First, let me say that it has been an honor to represent this community over the course of the last seven years. Arlington is an incredibly dynamic community and our trajectory over the decades has truly been remarkable. There is wide agreement that Arlington is a great place to live, to work, and to play, and to raise a family. And further, there is a commitment that we have all leaned into that those benefits be enjoyed by persons of all ages, of all races, of all backgrounds, and all identities. Much of the work of our county government and a considerable amount of constituent effort goes toward preserving that shared community vision. And this attention is needed now more than ever to address the central challenge of our time. Namely, how do we include all in this vision of Arlington? Those who through, who through no fault of their own have been unable to share in the fruits that this vision has produced? New neighbors who will join in and enhance this vision over time all the while ensuring that those who have contributed their time and talent to this community continue to see this as a place that they truly feel at home in. Now, in other words, how do we as an Arlington community, how do we work to ensure that we are providing opportunity for those who have been burdened and who have been missing while continuing to enhance the lives of those who have benefited. Now we are better equipped to address this challenge through our commitment to equity. Four years ago, we began in earnest to translate righteous rhetoric into ac action by establishing equity as a core principle of our government and our community. I'm proud of the work to date, which has been focused on ensuring that our government enterprise is competent in taking actions that are mindful of and address equity considerations. As our capability in this area matures, I expect to see equity as integral to every aspect of what our government does. 
and this is really going to be important this year, where the fiscal outlook requires that we make really difficult budget choices and where continued uncertainty and challenges in the office market and the transportation sector leave us unable to confidently project where our budget's going to be in the years ahead. Now, amid this admittedly grim outlook is a real opportunity to intensify our focus on plans and priorities that are the path to a better Arlington today and a more sustainable Arlington tomorrow. Now, housing remains our central challenge. Where and how to increase supply and how to assure a range of affordability and housing choices, issues that our community wrestles with constantly. Today and during my years, Chairman, I plan to lead the community through the development of a set of housing policies to meet the challenge of this generation to make Arlington a place for young families, for seniors, and for everyone in between. I suggest that our housing policies be guided by five principles where I believe there's broad agreement. First, Arlington should be open to all. Inclusive communities are dynamic and they are resilient. Barriers to entry should be identified and dismantled. This is an absolute foundational principle that we must operate on. Second, our planning for the future should as always be community-based. And that means engaging all stakeholders in our community and incorporating every thoughtful view. Third, planning should be iterative, allowing us to course correct when necessary and to evolve over time. Fourth, and to the greatest extent practicable, living in Arlington should not be determined by one's income level. Our attention to vibrant and diverse communities should span across each and every one of our 26 square miles. And fifth, planning to meet our housing goals must be integrated with the other inter interconnected priorities that we hold dear, creating transit and active transportation-oriented communities that are safe for all users, reducing greenhouse gas emissions, and attracting and retaining employers that support good jobs for workers. As I have worked to do regionally and have shared with you all on occasion, I will work to ensure that Arlington achieves success in each of our priority areas by pursuing the solutions that emerge when we see how housing intersects with transportation and mobility and where they both intersect with improving our resilience to climate change. Now, these principles for inclusive and responsible and managed growth are not exclusive to, but certainly apply to our missing middle conversation. Missing middle, a concept that has activated and engaged our community in ways that both inspire me and also give me cause for grave concern. It has been truly exciting to see so many people thinking deeply about housing policy, no matter their stance on the, the details. Being invited to homes to meet a, a few neighbors uh, that ultimately resulted in over dozens attending, neighborhood walking tours where the number of people tagging along grew by the block, standing room only forums and houses of worship, worship structured conversations, uh, meetings in person and online and, and 
Points of contact through email and chance meetings at coffee shops have all been opportunities where I've engaged with people deeply on these issues. And that kind of engagement will be vitally important in shaping the best public policy possible. But I also recognize that for many, there are significant emotions that people bring to this public policy discussion. Some homeowners are incredibly anxious about what changes may come to their neighborhoods and fearing the worst, want to just leave things be. While many others are impatient with the status quo and eager for the most expansive changes possible to create more opportunity to remain in the community that they have come to cherish. What causes me concern is not that this issue has created extreme polarization, but that for some there is a seeming lack of appreciation for the legitimacy of policy positions that are disparate from theirs. And worse, a disregard for the humanity of those who hold those positions. Now I am convinced that Arlington can do better. My pledge to you is to forge a path on missing middle and all other questions concerning growth and change that reflect the principles of the framework that I outlined earlier. And I ask that our community engage not through the zero-sum lens of my way or else, but rather with an eye towards holding us, the county board, accountable for moving thoughtfully and reasonably given all the positions that may be held on a given issue. A perspective, no matter how sincerely or strongly held, is not the way forward for Arlington if it fails to include the needs of all Arlingtonians. So while the missing middle conversation has laid bare that there are competing priorities demanding our attention and different visions for Arlington's future that we must all consider, I ask that we don't lose sight of what unites us, a vision of an Arlington community that delivers excellent services and facilitates the community conditions where everyone can thrive and provides opportunity for future generations. Even among those I know may be diametrically opposed on an issue like missing middle, I believe we share these aspirations. And I look forward to working with you, my colleagues, to do our part in moving us closer to fully realizing that vision. You all have my sincerest wishes for a fulfilling 2023. <clears throat> Thank you, I appreciate that. You are all so polite. Uh, but it's now my pleasure to recognize my colleagues to share their perspectives and priorities for the year ahead, starting with Vice Chair Garvey. Thank you, Mr. Chair. And I wanna thank my colleagues for the honor of serving as your Vice Chair this year. Um, a big thank you to Katie Crystal for her fine leadership last year. It's not easy being chair, in case anybody wonders, it's not. Um, and congratulations and thank you to our new chair, Christian Dorsey, clearly. 2023 is gonna be a transition year with both of you leaving us at the end, but at least this outstanding board team has one more year together, and it's gonna be a good one, I think. Um, you know, this year we continue to be blessed with great staff, without whom nothing would get done, um, and we are blessed with a great community to work with, despite divisions and disagreements at times. Um, Christian, I'm so glad you're continuing to emphasize equity, um, and that began with your last chairmanship, 
and four years of persistent focus is really paying off. It's so rewarding to see the strides that we have been making. The Community Oversight Board is up and running. We have a new, less subjective way to support our nonprofits. We have begun a long-needed whole-of-government approach to address the many effects of discrimination in the Arlington View neighborhood and more. Our equity work is not done, of course, but we are starting to see real change, and that bodes very well for the future. As always, we face challenges this year. A new one, I think, is the changing nature of work. The move away from office to virtual work is big, but I think the bigger change may be reassessing the value of essential jobs. Work like that of nurses, teachers, child care workers, public safety, mental health workers, water and sewer workers, just to name some of them. These jobs provide essential services, but they usually don't pay all that well. And they're difficult and can even be dangerous. I think employers everywhere will need to better reward essential work if we are going to have people to take the jobs that create and maintain our quality of life. I think this changing nature of work will play out in our budget this year and for years to come. Our major local challenge at the moment is Missing Middle. Of course, I suspect we're all gonna talk about Missing Middle. Um, it has divided Arlington and upset more people than any other issue that I've worked on, and I've worked on some pretty divisive issues. I see a number of reasons for this. For one, Arlington is rather schizophrenic. We have both suburban and urban personalities. Now, marriages of opposites can do quite well, but they're not easy, and they do require good communication. I appreciate our chair's call for more respectful dialogue and real listening. In my 26 years in elected office, the need for better communication and engaging all stakeholders has been a constant. We keep trying, and we keep using more new methods while keeping the old ones. We get better, but it is just hard. Think about the simple phrase, I love Arlington. One person says that and is thinking of our quiet, leafy neighborhoods with houses far apart. Another person says the same thing, but means the lively, vibrant, and noisy urban corridors. They use the same words, but they mean very different things. To those differing views expressed with the exact same words, throw in the nature of people to hear not what they, what they expect to hear, not what they actually heard. Add to that our own government tendency to respond with more and more information, which makes it harder and harder for a clear message to come through. Top it all off with the current climate where opponents like to demonize each other and catastrophize outcomes. Then bake it in a social media stew where misinformation, rumors, and fears fly through a community. You have a recipe for real communication trouble. A silver lining to all this that I've seen is that we have turned more to personal conversations and meetings, often with smaller groups of people. During 2022, that's been a pleasure for me personally. I've been able to connect and reconnect with so many people in these discussions where we could talk more with each other than at each other. Often, however, I found the discussions were not really about whether missing middle zoning is a good as a strategy, but were actually about whether the goal of missing middle is good. And there were lots of arguments about what that goal actually is. And once assumptions were made about that, and often the assumptions were different, if that was a good goal. With missing middle, we have been wrestling with what our vision is for the future of Arlington by arguing about how to get there. As I see it, Missing Middle has forced us to begin 
the strategic plan discussion that has been avoided for years. With Missing Middle, we've begun to talk more explicitly about the kind of Arlington we want. Many say they want what they have now, and that's understandable. Overall, Arlington is a great place to live, work, and play. But staying the same, of course, is not an option. It's been said, if you want to go fast, you go by yourself. If you want to go far, you go with a lot of people. We want Arlington to go far, to always be an attractive place to live, work, and play for many different kinds of people. To do that, I think we need to build more of a consensus on what that actually means and then on how to get there. That will take time and some resources. But it is an investment I think we need to make. As Yogi Berra said, if you don't know where you're going, you're not going to get there. Now, I'm not suggesting we have no idea where we are going. We do. We have lots of master plans and policies, but probably too many to provide our residents a clear vision for Arlington's future. We certainly do not have community consensus on what that future should be. Missing Middle is making our lack of consensus about that quite clear. I also am not suggesting that we stop everything and do a strategic plan before adopting Missing Middle zoning. We need to get started on more flexible zoning. But we need to do it in a way that relieves the fear of dire consequences that concern so many. Over time, many adjustments can be made, course adjustments, as Christian called them, as we clarify our vision for Arlington's future and use zoning changes to help us get there. I am suggesting we spend some time in 2023 looking at the big challenges we likely will face over the next several decades discussing where we want to be after those decades and how we will get there. Discussions will probably be difficult as different visions and their trade-offs become explicit, and there will never be consensus. But I think our discussions would be more productive if we can be more clear about what are the goals and what are the strategies. Of course, this is just my view, and I do not set the board agenda, I'm well aware, but. If my colleagues and our residents think this is a worthwhile endeavor, we might at least start to think about a process for these more explicit discussions about what we want Arlington to be in a few decades and how we will get there. So lots of work to do, lots of blessings, and lots of important conversations to be had in 2023. I look forward to it and wish everyone a happy and healthy new year. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Garvey. And now I'd like to turn to our Chair Emerita, Ms. Crystal. Thank you very much, Mr. Dorsey. Congratulations to you and Ms. Garvey. Thank you for leading us this year ahead. <clears throat> in Walden, Thoreau wrote that in the long run, men hit only what they aim at. And therefore, they had better aim at something high. As we convene this year on the board, even amid the uncertainty of our immediate moment, we are preparing for decisions that will affect our community's long run future. There is no long-run issue that matters more than climate change. Of course, the emerging scientific consensus now predicting two to three degrees of warning, warming by century's end inspires, for me, for us, such urgency. Decarbonization efforts are making a difference. And, but there is still so much human suffering that will be avoided only with action from all of us. And so we celebrate the news that Arlington County operations now run entirely on renewable electricity, a full two years ahead of schedule. 
And now our bigger challenge is helping our whole community decarbonize to meet our goals, which is why I'm truly looking forward to seeing the Office of Climate Coordination and Policy go from a mere idea last year to a fully functional operation, catalyzing and organizing as we start 2023. At the same time, we will have to resist the easy allure of just electrifying the status quo, especially when it comes to transportation, because respectfully, we aren't going to new car shop our way out of climate change. And we know that our Vision Zero goals, like our community energy plan, depends on reducing overall vehicle miles traveled, which means that public transit has got to compete on convenience and ease of use. We are on the edge of some big ideas about bus in 2023, building on the very successful extension of free art rides for APS students, thinking about regional bus service more dynamically and interconnectedly with new studies and actions underway with WMATA and with the Northern Virginia Transportation Commission. And finally, we will be getting into some of the specifics of our own art system, like improved routes and service levels as we begin our update to the master transportation plan this calendar year. <clears throat> Sometimes our problems present as literal billboards staring us in the face, like the 14-foot commercial brokerage advertisement I saw entering Brooklyn this holiday, pleading, tired of Zoom in large font. This unsettled aspiration for a return to pre-pandemic in-person work reminded me, at least, that we are not the only community wrestling with difficult years ahead as office leases expire and challenge our local revenues and their therefore budgets and levels of service. But what about the long game? Five or more years from now, how can we hasten and not just hope for recovery and a more resilient local economy? The good company in which we find ourselves regionally and nationally means that we will have case studies to consider for supporting adaptive reuse. And thanks to the collaboration of our teams at AED and CPHD, we will have actions ahead early this year to update our policies to welcome 21st century uses in our commercial buildings, be they micro-fulfillment facilities, blends of traditional office and education functions, even urban agriculture. And we've got to con 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 retain our competitive advantage, our workforce. As Terry Clower of George Mason shared in a panel this fall, workforce and talent is the overwhelming driver of business siting decisions. And so it should be motivating, like 14-foot billboard motivating to all of us that the past few years have shown major domestic out-migration from Arlington in Nova. Largely, in Clower's observation at least, 25 to 35-year-olds, if we are losing the next generation, in his words, our office occupancy rate is close behind them. So if meeting our climate goals demands less greenhouse gas emissions intensive ways of living and sustaining our economic competitiveness hinges on our ability to retain newly mobile talent, then the long run certainly demands our attention to housing. This is, in fact, I checked, my seventh organizational meeting speech in a row calling for advancement of legalizing missing middle housing. The study and its origins have indeed been a long time in coming. But I do believe that patience has proved a virtue on this issue. The symbolism of modernizing our zoning ordinance to conceive of something other than one house on one lot throughout Arlington County is significant and it engenders strong viewpoints on which we spent 2022 creating novel ways to hear and engage. And it's also been worth it to take this time because change is not really about 2023 or 2024, but really for the long run. What and who will Arlington be 30 years from now with a healthy stock of mid-lifespan townhouses and small multiplexes? 
or what and who will Arlington be without them when another generation of modest homes have been redeveloped into one expensive house on one expensive lot. And so this is the year for action on Missing Middle, beginning with a request to advertise in the coming weeks to set the outer bounds of a possible ordinance change and define the areas for continued debate over the next couple of months. 2023 is also exciting because it's our first opportunity to think beyond and after the missing middle housing study when it comes to the zoning of our lowest density neighborhoods, specifically how to better achieve our goals of preserving tree canopy and minimizing impacts on neighboring properties. Ideas like those from our draft forestry and natural resources management plan about how shifting setbacks from front to back could protect backyard trees, or from our planning commission about whether shifting our paradigm from lot coverage to floor area ratio could allow us to get prescriptive about what we care about most, the volume, spacing, shape of homes, while allowing adaptation for changing conditions and greater variety in design. To be clear, the former recommendation is an urgent one, and the latter the beginning of a much more extensive analysis. But my point in sharing both is that they together reflect the ingenuity of this community is up to the challenge of shaping our long-run housing future. In short, as we begin 2023, I'm actually thinking about Arlington in 2033 and Arlington in 2053, our economy, our environment, our homes, our collective values. I think that in Thoreau's words, we had better aim at something higher for that future because it is only as bright as our aspirations for it. Thank you, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Crystal. We'll turn next to Mr. DeFerranti. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I just want a quick note of thanks to you, Ms. Crystal, for your time as chair. I got to watch the remarks I gave last year at this time, um, or two years ago, and you lived up to every piece of it. And that does not mean we always agree, but it does mean you sought the best and were a great leader for us, so thank you. Um, Lincoln said at his second inaugural that there was less of a reason for an extended address than his first. So when I said that to my wife a couple weeks ago, she crisply delivered humble pie. Are you comparing yourself to Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> I most certainly am not, but I will try to be brief. It's safe to say that the two biggest issues of the first six months of 2023 will be the housing policies considered through Missing Middle and the fiscal year 2024 budget. I'd like to begin by sharing a few big picture thoughts about those issues and all of the issues we face. We must work to build consensus. Consensus is not unanimity, but it respects the voices of all and looks to serve the greatest good. While not everyone will be happy with any particular decision, our community as a whole should feel heard and understand the reasoning that prevails in votes taken by the board. Second, civility will be more important in 2023 and more difficult, I believe, than it has ever been in my time on the board. Let's debate the policy and avoid casting aspersions on our neighbors' motives. Third, the details matter. They always matter to me. Your questions our answers and our conversation are the heart and soul of our civic life. I think if we focus on the details, it can help us move forward. A couple of points on housing and missing middle. My views are nuanced, so I will be working toward a thoughtful missing middle policy that does try to build consensus. My reelection, first point, 
I believe was neither a mandate to enact the full staff proposal as it has been worked on with staff and the board. No, and it was also not unrelated to missing middle. Some say that my 60% and Mr. Adam Theo's 10% mean that 70% of Arlingtonians support missing middle. I respectfully disagree. I campaigned on other issues. My views on missing middle, as I just said, were and are not the full proposal that we have seen to this point. And I believe that there were many, many factors involved in Arlingtonians' decision last November. We also have additional responsibilities to care for our climate and parks, our infrastructure and our neighbors who struggle with hunger, poor health, and significant poverty. While missing middle is certainly important, we cannot and should not lose our focus on other critical issues which we can work on at the same time. Second thought on missing middle, we cannot delay for delay's sake. Some are already asking that we delay what is called the request for, to advertise. I respectfully disagree. If you have read, if you have read the December 7th set of options that will form the bulk of what we will consider later this month, you know that the options in it could lead to very different policies. The purpose of the RTA and the 60-day period of consideration thereafter is to allow for a full and healthy, more specific conversation about details. On our budget, February through April will be dominated by one of the more difficult budgets we faced on my time on the board. The fundamental shift in our office market, of, as colleagues have mentioned, will make this challenging. We must be fiscally smart, balancing the long-term positives we want to invest in with our charge to be careful stewards of your money. My top budget priorities beyond meeting the collective bargaining agreements are funding our schools and combating climate change. On our schools, this is still the beginning of a multi-year effort to make Arlington Public Schools the best in Virginia for every child. My funding priority for this addresses the single biggest factor in our children's success while they're in school, our teachers. I will also work assiduously with our school board colleagues to support educational equity. On climate, it is a huge issue, as Ms. Crystal mentioned. I'm looking for transformational decisions that can help us get to work on our next goal, our 2035 goal of 100% renewable electricity by all Arlington residents in our, in, in our community. We need bold and innovative ideas that will make Arlington exam an example for the next decade for the localities around the country. I'm determined to work with our Arlington Initiative to Rethink Energy and our Climate Office to help transform our county as we strive to do our local part to save our planet. Looking past the budget and missing middle, I'll be focused on several other key priority areas, and they start with inclusive economic growth. Our office vacancy rate is above 21%. We must recognize we have undergone a fundamental shift from working in the office ex almost exclusively to working from home, and that is here to stay. Our property owners, managers, and county leadership must focus on fully adapting to this re reality. I will make myself available to our new Arlington Economic Development Director, Ryan Tuhill, and the excellent team of professionals at AED. In addition to our office vacancy rate, 
adopting a thoughtful plan for Langston Boulevard as soon as possible must be a top priority for me and I believe for us because this is a plan with a big upside for our community. Our outreach and engagement, engagement efforts are ongoing and will contribute greatly to the adoption of a thoughtful and lively plan. Specifically, I'll be pushing for adoption as soon as is reasonably possible this summer, and the plan will be my top CPHD priority. We also, in my view, need to move forward the implementation framework and build out some of the analysis that will lead to the development, the economic development we need. On hunger, I'm excited that the manager will be reporting on our community's progress on the food security strategic plan via uh, our food security coordinator at our regular January meeting. I hope that's okay, Mr. Chair. Moving forward, he'll be working with the food security coalition made up of residents, nonprofits, and county staff to move this issue forward. I look forward to learning more about next steps and include recommendations on how we might, as a government, help address the growing cost of food for those most in need. On housing, I'm committed to affordable housing for those below 30% and to finding creative solutions to address the funding gaps in construction. This is a, these are critical steps, um, but distinct, in my view, from the, the very important missing middle conversation we have and must have over the coming months. This addresses a slightly different slice of our housing market. I support ded dedicating resources to those at 30% and below and in general as a countywide policy and specifically at Barcroft. I also support a community land trust and to working on the next steps on the home ownership study released in October. Transportation and pedestrian safety, we have seen several times this past year that we must lead. Our Vision Zero team is proactively addressing hotspots and I'll be pushing for policies that I believe can better quantify the risk of accidents and serious energy injuries in order to move us as quickly as possible towards that zero pedestrian death goal. We can both recognize our staff is doing innovative and excellent work and also take the next steps to accelerate progress. Last but not least, equity. I'm committed, as I know my colleagues have said today and are, to building a more racially just Arlington in every part and aspect of our county. It must be part of every discussion that we have. In addition, I think it's important to say out loud, as the months and years pass since May of 2020, when George Floyd was murdered, that this board and this community has an obligation to work with our chief race and equity officer and to ensure that we are taking all the steps we can with our police oversight board fully operational, and we must do the work to make measurable progress in reforming our our system of county government so that it better serves racial justice. It's an ambitious set of priorities. Here's hoping that my work actually lives up to those priorities. Happy New Year. Thank you, Mr. DeFerranti. Now, and now we'll turn to Mr. Karen Tonis. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Congratulations again and um, to our Chair Emerita 
Thank you so much for your leadership. I uh, was a member of this board for the most times that you actually, you know, hold this speech with your priorities, but I was seeing that from the other side of the dice, and I can attest to exactly the same, like Mr. DeFerranti and our colleagues said, you stood up and you did that, and it's actually a, an important moment of reflection uh, of another type of transition, which is the generational transition in Arlington that, like everywhere in our nation, uh, everywhere in the world, in fact, is a, is a matter of, a, of how life flows and how new challenges are uh, faced and addressed by new generations with a new, fresh eye and a new, fresh uh, approach. Talking about that, 2022, the first post-pandemic or purportedly post-pandemic year, I, was a year of recovery and of transition to the new normal. We heard a lot of conversation about this today. And a year of recovered optimism, uh, despite the lively and sometimes acrimonious discussion on, on housing, it was a re it, we recovered our normality of life and we faced future with energy and resilience that is so, so us, so Arlington. And that includes dis lively discussions about land use. Transition is defined as a process driven by purpose, values, and a common understanding of the direction. And I can't find a better word to describe what I believe will be the essence of 2023 as a year of transitions. And I agree with Vice Chair Libby on this, Libby Garvey on this. My focus and priorities this year account for the sentiment and reflect areas that are critical to the welfare and the happiness and safety and prosperity of our entire community. And I will start not with Ms. Amida, but with climate emergency, like Ms. Crystal did. Uh, I still have it in my mind ringing, Greta Thunberg, uh, in representation of her generation, who is about to inherit the devastating consequences of our lack of action. She said that, uh, called upon elected representatives that ourselves, colleagues, and the blah, 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 meaning now it's the time for action. Arlington has the brain power the economic capacity, the political insight to become an exemplary leader and a hub for environmental innovation in the region, in the nation. What is good for the environment, is good for our economy, is good for jobs and investment, is good for our community and our future. It is the right time to invest in aggressively in electric infrastructure for transportation and public transit. But our focus, and I agree, Mr. Chair, should be centered in putting the public and the disadvantaged communities and people first. The biggest and most efficient EV, I'm not tired to repeat, is Metro Rail. It doesn't need charging, by the way. It needs ridership. Model shift to walkability and to public transit is the most effective decarbonization tool, not only because it's very low emissions, but because it supports by orders of magnitude more energy and resource efficient land use and economy. My focus will be on bringing ridership back. That includes considering, seriously considering, fare-free transit on the art system. And at the same time, we should, and I agree with that, continue to strive to improve service, including, but not limited to advancing the long overdue premium transit on Columbia Pike. It is time to insist in the electrification of buildings and into a new level of sticks and carrots to incentivize energy efficiency preservation and creative repurpose, repurposing of existing buildings is the most effective choice to decarbonize our built environment. 
I look really forward to the new manager cabinet level office of Cli on climate change providing executive coordination at the intersection of the Arlington Initiative to, re to rethink energy and the programs associated with that, stormwater management, tree preservation, public infrastructure, waste management, and the preservation of natural resources. This kind of work is to me very important and getting it right and getting the right momentum out of that is uh, critical. Critical it is because we are about to grow smarter in the 21st century. Speaking of intersections, housing, as you all mentioned, is the most discussed issue in our community because there is hardly any aspect of governance or life that's not connected with it. We are a desirable place of opportunity because we excelled managing growth, but we haven't met the, the mark for producing the appropriate housing supply and the variability, the appropriate variability in housing choice. In the 20th century, roped in density on transit corridors was the necessary condition for creating a sustaining transit infrastructure and the economy it supports. In the 21st century, the need emerges for a planned and community-anchored, as always, transition to a gently distributed density beyond and between our corridors. The emphasis is on gently and on long-term and with reasonable safeguards in place to manage potential adverse effects without, and that's important, without stifling the benefits of allowing the market to provide a wider variety of housing choices to a wider variety of residents and to all Arlingtonians eventually. This is the essence of my missing middle philosophy and approach, and I'm not going to expand too much on this now because we will have plenty of opportunity to do that in the next couple of months. New mobility. Improved walkability and cyclability support moderate transitional growth around key assets beyond mass transit, like parks and public spaces, libraries and recreational facilities and neighborhood retail. We are lucky, very lucky, that our geography allows for most human needs to be located within a travel distance of 15 minutes from any given home, mostly by foot or by bicycle. This time, we have a wider complement of tools beyond just zoning that allow us to shape our future. We have a better handle on mastering urban form. We can street design streets in a safer and better and more functional way. This time we can make sure that we can plan for change that is inclusive and is based on equity and equal access to opportunity for all our Linktonians, regardless of their race, ethnicity, or social economic status. This is the first time in our history that we can actually factually accomplish that. This is why I also continue to focus beyond the missing middle discussion. I am I'm focused on no displacement and deepening affordability below 40% AMI, and I mentioned Barcroft and Park Sherlington. I am focused on tweaking our housing support programs, especially the housing grants program, to become more sustainable and more effective. I am focused on creating attainable pathways to affordable home ownership and being intentional in supporting neighborhoods that still lag behind, especially our historic black American neighborhoods and those with a larger immigrant population. Bringing me to the third passion of me, mine, transitioning our economy. A town for all is only possible in an economy that works for all. High commercial vacancy asks for courageous decision, and my colleagues have already mentioned that. 
And I agree, we have to be flexible and creative on adaptive reuse of existing buildings. We have to strengthen small business entrepreneurship. Thousands of good and resilient jobs can be secured and created if we put in place a reliable support framework facilitating access to operating capital, which remains the biggest challenge. We have to strengthen uh, our approach to, to uh, growing a high-skilled workforce. Workforce development is a critical need and the best path to economic stability on the long term. My parting thoughts tonight, that the pandemic also taught us that a coordinated social safety net is essential. No Arlingtonian should go hungry. No Arlingtonian should lack access to physical or mental health care. Senior services and childcare on the other side of the age spectrum should be available to those who need them and need them now. In Arlington, every individual is important, and this is particularly true in times of momentous transitions that tend to overwhelm the most vulnerable. So in 2023, I invite you, all Arlingtonians, all my fellow neighbors, to continue to create communities of respect, kindness, and compassion, and filter discussions, including land use discussions, through these common values, your local government, will be a partner. And Mr. Chair, uh, just allow me in representation of all the more than 87 languages that are spoken in homes in Arlington to just repeat that phrase in Spanish. Le invito a todas y todos a continuar creando comunidades de respeto, de benevolencia y compasión, y a incorporar estos valores en toda discusión cívica a happy and prosperous new year to everybody, a feliz y prospero año nuevo. Thank you. Thank you, colleagues. There's a lot that uh, intersects in terms of our priorities for the year. I look forward to working with you on those and to doing my part to facilitate your hopefully fulfilling some of the other priorities that you have outlined. Uh, as we move on, we have one piece of additional business, and it concerns the appointment of our county auditor. And uh, for efficiency's sake, I will go ahead and move, move the appointment of Jim Lewis Shelton as our county auditor and uh, seek to have the employment agreement between he and the county board uh, authorized to be executed. Uh, is there a second? second. Seconded by Ms. Crystal. Is there any discussion on this? I guess I just explained what it was. Mr. Karen Tonis is co-chair of the audit committee. Would you I like to say you, additional? Thank you, Mr. Uh, Chair, for uh, working diligently to uh, replace and to find a replacement for our uh, independent county auditor. This is a very important position for the county board. Uh, this is a direct report uh, and uh, works directly and advises the county board on everything that you know, in collaboration with our audit committee, uh, we put in uh, his, in this case, uh, work plan. Uh, I learned a lot in this past year from uh, this process and from the members of the committee and the, county, the past county auditor, and I'm looking really forward to uh, retake uh, the, the lead and work forward. Thank you. Mr. Sheldon will be starting with the county. His uh, employment agreement begins uh, January 5th. So a couple of days, we'll welcome him on board. Uh, 
Uh, seeing no further discussion, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Ayes have it. And uh, that concludes our business for this organizational meeting. Before I gavel us out, I'd like to tell everyone who is attending, who I believe may be here to listen to our annual uh, conversation with the Civic Federation. As a reminder, this is the Civic Federation's meeting, but they are gracious enough to allow us to host it so that we can uh, avoid the travel back and forth. So we're always grateful for that partnership. And we will begin that meeting uh, promptly at 7.30. Until then, you are welcome to partake in refreshments in the atrium. Uh, and then we will be back in here to start promptly at 7.30. With that, this organizational meeting is adjourned.
everybody. On behalf of the Arlington County Civic Federation, thank you all for coming. Thanks especially to the county board for your generous hospitality and technological assistance. We can use it. Uh, I expect that this will be the, uh, the most uh, skilled uh, set of, of uh, connections that we have uh, all year long. The plan is to uh, hustle through a whole lot of questions, uh, appreciate your cooperation in keeping your questions to 30 seconds. You will see behind the board members a timer to remind you that um, time is not infinite tonight. We have a hard stop of 8.30, so we have less than an hour to cover a great deal of ground. Um, appreciate your forbearance. Uh, I'm going to ask a couple of questions, then I will look for questions from the audience, and then we'll take one from Zoom, then another quick brace of questions, then a couple more from the audience, a couple more from Zoom. We'll try to get to as many as we can. And congratulations, Mr. Chair. Congratulations, Madam Vice Chair. Thank you. With a 20% plus vacancy rate in commercial office space in the county, it appears that the board is placing greater emphasis on residential density. What economic impacts do you expect from this? And what have you done an economic study and modeling for short and long-term projections and consequences? Mr. Carantonis, take it away. Thank you. Um, this is a very important question. I mean, as you've seen, uh, most of us have referred to that as a as a key uh, area of focus. And I have to tell you, I have always in my office these two graphs. One shows the office vacancy rate in Arlington. These are our partner jurisdictions. Here we are not performing the best. We have bigger problems. And the other one is this here that shows over time how office vacancy has evolved. And it shows basically that when we invested in our economic development and we really uh, made that a, a big focus, we could actually tame a little bit this beast. So um, it is not, I, I wouldn't agree with the premise of the question that uh, uh, the, the board is uh, putting greater emphasis on residential density. We put greater, uh, the appropriate emphasis in, in everything. And uh, you can rest assured that we put uh, very much uh, a lot of emphasis on uh, the, the, the vacancy rates, the commercial vacancy rate, uh, and uh, on the potential consequences of that, which begins with uh, a uh, uh, you know, tax base, a commercial tax base that hasn't been so vigorous like it has been in the past. And we have seen over over years that this, the, the part of uh, the commercial tax base that comes from commercial uh, revenue is reduced uh, uh, compared to previous years. So we want to recover that. And this is a key, key part of how the economic machine of Arlington works. Uh, with regards to, to projections, uh, so office and hotel and retail uses and uh, are, are on the one side are very vital components, but they're very difficult to predict. There are short-term predictions, there are medium-term predictions. This is not uh, 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 a, impossible to have an opinion on, but 
we cannot have precision on this. We can only uh, see a trend and we can react properly. And I've, I've showed you here that we did several times that we felt the pressure, we, we reacted and we were successful to a certain degree. Uh, the pandemic has thrown us a different type of a wrench in the cogworks here, and this is the issue of the changing uh, nature of work and uh, the amount of uh, telework that we will see and telecommuting that we will see in the in, uh, right now and in the future. Uh, this is still a, an area in flux. It is not very helpful to speculate too much about that. One thing we know for sure that it has an impact and will continue to have an impact. Uh, we don't know for how long, we don't know exactly how it will play out, but uh, we can hedge against that. And the number one uh, action that, we'll, that we're taking is to uh, support and improve uh, the uh, action radius and the power and the, and the leverage of our Arlington economic development. Thank you, Mr. Terraconis. Given that residential property has historically not yielded sufficient property tax revenue to pay for the services provided, and that Arlington has been able to generously fund public services levels because so much of our revenue has been traditionally from commercial property taxes, does the board have a long-term strategy for a continued shift in its tax base away from commercial and in the direction of residential? Sure. Uh, Ms. Crystal, you can feel free to take that one. Absolutely. I think that, uh, that may have a slightly different flavor than the one we've gotten, but I, I think um, what I'm going yes, to ma'am. Yeah, yes. what I'm... What I'm no, no problem at all. We like curveballs. Um, what I am going to answer is a little bit about some of what we're doing around trying to shore up that commercial tax space. Um, we talk often about Arlington's historic 50-50 split. That basically allows us to leverage every one of our dollar paid as uh, residential property taxpayers into another dollar's worth of service paid in by our commercial sector. And so retaining that balance is important to us. <clears throat> it is no surprise, as Mr. Carantone has showed you a graph, that we are struggling with office vacancy. It is not just us. There was an um, excellent article in the New York Times that Mr. Carantone has shared with us, 998 million vacant square feet of office in the United States, 13% of the market. So we are very much challenged by this phenomenon uh, of hybrid work, work from home, um, and, uh, and shrinking footprints of traditional office tenants. Our staff saw this coming a couple years ago, started a commercial resiliency agenda. We are now starting to actually pursue some of the reforms that they have recommended as a result of that body of work that they conducted in partnership with our office community. So you are seeing us move with alacrity on zoning changes, something this community has not usually done, uh, but, but considering terms, um, requests to advertise periods of, of just a few months to do things like um, allow institutions of higher education to set up shop in former um, office areas, uh, micro-fulfillment centers, small-scale industrial. So that might mean things like artisan workshops or urban agriculture. In some cases, we're looking at pet boarding. Um, we're trying to move quickly to, to be able to rethink and allow for new occupants of that traditional space. We know, right, that that um, uh, firm occupying five, six stories of a building with folks in cubicles and corner offices, I mean, that is a, a not something something that we can plan on coming back that is unlikely to come back in that form. The other thing I would just note, um, 
for context, right, Arlington is not a commercial property developer. So when we talk about what's within our control, it has to be hand in glove with the office market, uh, with commercial residential, or excuse me, with commercial real estate property owners and managers. And so we have been in close coordination with them. We're looking at, um, for example, adaptive reuse um, in, in those cases I mentioned. Um, I will also say, though, one of the strongest pieces of feedback we've gotten from the development community and what I know other communities are getting to is that they're very interested in incentives. And that's a game and that's an area where, at least speaking for myself, I think we need to tread really lightly as a community because of the very question, John, that you asked. It is no victory indeed to bring down our office vacancy rate if we do that by carving into the very, or carving out of the very source of revenues we are trying to restore. So. Um, as we pursue these strategies, right, it's trying to, to, to clear out any obstacles, to look around corners, to work in close partnership with the commercial community, uh, but also be cognizant uh, that, that we can't give away the store as we try to shore up um, that commercial side of our revenue ledger. Thank you, Ms. Crystal. So here's what this is leading up to. If property assessments continue to rise, if residential, property assessments continue to rise. Do you plan to keep overall residential property tax bills stable by lowering the county tax rates? We've asked Mr. Karen Thomas to take the lead on this one. <clears throat> Thank you. So uh, property assessments have been rising, that's true. And uh, for several other tenants, this is a real problem and, and we could recognize that. And we work in many other ways to, to, to provide relief. Uh, the, question, the key question here is how we, how make, how we make it uh, uh, so that we don't need to uh, uh, increase the tax rate in this case. Uh, and the best way to do that, and the way we have been doing that every year, and I think this board uh, is no exception, uh, is to look at what programs, what services, what are the community priorities, to make uh, an inventory of that, uh, provide sound, fiscally prudent and frugal uh, guidance to the county manager, make sure that we make the most efficient use of the public funds we have, and then look uh, whether we can, what, what can be uh, discretionary, what can be, and we are balancing our budget every single time. We're not filling it up, we're balancing our budget. Uh, not only because Virginia <laughs> compels us to balance our mm -hmm. budget, but because this is the way we, we manage. Uh, so every single time when we will have, in, in, a, few, in, a, in a couple of months, we announced uh, today for the end of March, our hearing on, on the budget, and I, I invite this, the Civic Federation to actually weigh in on this. Uh, it is important to say, no, well, we think that these and these and these are, shouldn't be on the list. And that would, uh, you know, uh, initiate a conversation about the, 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 you know, the total of the tax revenue. But uh, without that, uh, you know, we have to balance the budget with the programs that we, as a community, have decided that are critical for us to, to sustain our link. And I'll just add as a, another point, you know, in addition to, as Mr. Carantonis ended, uh, advising that you don't think about this question in isolation, it has to be done in conjunction with what the community annually expresses as its priorities for what government should do. Uh, you then determine what revenue is needed accordingly. If you want to take it as a, an understanding of how difficult this is, 
look no further than our annual tax and budget rate hearings uh, that we just, uh, you know, scheduled tonight. Uh, on an annual basis for my entire time, uh, seven previous years on the board, we typically get hundreds of people in some capacity participating in the budget hearing, talking about things that they would want government to prioritize, and then it is a rare year where we get more than a handful who come to complain that the tax rate is too high. Not that that necessarily means that everybody's absolutely fine and we should pay no attention to tax rates. Obviously, it's a part of what we have done um, to ensure that the uh, increases in, tax, uh, in, in, in taxes and fees paid would be sustainable for, um, for households. That's an annual part of our conversation. But it's, it's, it's clearly something that you have to look at with balance and not an isolated question of if residential values continue to rise, will you lower the tax rates? At least I don't look at the decision making through that, that lens. Okay, artfully done. Mr. <laughs> Mr. DeFranti, I just, a perspective. I, I just, I'll be short with some numbers. 80% um, of both budgets, school and county, are people. Do people in this room believe that teachers needed a raise last year? Do people in this room believe that our police needed a raise last year and this year? We did a 13% raise for police last year. We're doing a 10% raise for police this year. We were able to do an about an 8 or 9% raise for teachers last year. Those are the sort of choices that I think, if you're being real, we have to consider. Yes, you could cut the other 20%. Should we cut Columbia Pike Partners? No disrespect, Kim. Uh, I'm sure you would oppose. No. Yes. No. We can't cut the other one. Yeah. Let's not. Let's not put that into the uh, into the atmosphere. No, I, I won't. But I'm I'm trying to use real examples that, that the question presupposes that it's just this abstract thing, and there are real choices. And and I think that uh, thanks for covering me there. But I, I I think that you need to hear that those are the choices. Those are part of the choices. I'm just just looking out for you. I don't want to <laughs> quote it that DeFerranti says you can cut 20% of the budget. All right. I suspect we're going to switch subjects here. We're going to take a question from Zoom. Mary Glass. Mary, you Thank are you. Thank you, John. Um, first of all, uh, Mary Glass uh, and I am on the board of uh, the CIFED and uh, head of the Environmental Affairs Committee. Uh, and uh, I, I thank you for the time to come and, and talk. Um, you will appreciate that I didn't um, bother you with the bad cold that I have by coming in person. Um, and, and let me just start out a little bit of background before my question. Uh, Mary, you have five seconds. I'm sorry. Pardon me? Now you're out of time, but I'll, I'll let you ask a question, but this will be an object lesson for others. Just get to the question, please, Mary. Okay. Uh, thank you. I want to know uh, if the uh, county uh, board members will take the lead uh, in giving higher priority to the natural resources, including directing more funds and uh, uh, making those funds apply to action, not plans and words. Okay. Thank you for the question, Mary, and I hope you feel better. Um, so 
I think I'll take a, a crack at this, and then I know that we have people who have spent a lot of time liaising with our forestry and, and natural resources uh, plan and process, but I think we do place a priority on this and have looked to uh, make sure we're committing adequate resources to not just plans and studies, but personnel to actually implement some of the plans and ideas that we're looking to increase the schedule for when we are collecting data that will allow us to make good decisions. Uh, certainly there is more that we could do. I think that's true with every line of business that we have as a county government. There is a, a baseline level of what we know that we have to do and more that we would like to do if resources permitted. But back to the previous conversation, we do have to make uh, choices and we recognize that for you, Mary, one of our community's key leaders in this area, uh, you certainly have uh, ideas for what we could do more. Uh, we're always happy to, to see if we can meet that expectation, but when resources are constrained, it's not likely that we will meet your, your best vision for what we ideally should be doing. Ms. Garvey? Yeah, I mean, I'll just be quick. I think, as you know, Mary, it's nice to hear. I'm glad you're not feeling, you don't sound too sick, so I'm, I'm hoping you're not feeling too bad. Um, you know, we are we having the um, Forestry and Natural Resources uh, Master Plan update coming really soon. I think there's, so there's going to be a lot of discussion that I'm sure you will be part of um, and look at ha to have a, how we can take actions, not just have words. And I thought I might invite our Chair Emeritus who ac Emerita, who actually made a lot of remarks about this in her remarks today. Thank you so much, Ms. Garvey. I was trying to see if I could be quick enough on the draw to quote the actual figure that goes to the tree canopy fund because, um, may I really appreciate your point and just wanted to note that that is really one of the best ways we invest not in words but in trees uh, because this is a great opportunity to promote that we are right now uh, working with our partners at Eco Action Arlington who are literally knocking on doors all across the county. I just got a really fun bumper sticker from DPR at a public event. You've surely seen the signs in the medians and lawns to give away free trees, which is really important not only that we invest the money in the trees themselves, but in the money to educate and do that outreach because we need to make sure once those trees are planted, uh, they get the attention that they need from property owners to grow up. So um, that continues to be an area of investment, um, even perhaps more so uh, in, the, in the coming years. Um, uh, Ms. Garvey mentioned one of the things I've been really excited about in conversation with some of our citizen leaders as well as um, staff working on the Forestry and Natural Resources Management Plan is some creative thinking around the idea of setbacks in single family homes um, and low density home construction uh, and tree preservation. We know this has really been an Achilles heel for Arlington. Um, Mary might suggest this is an area where, where uh, reasonable people can disagree whether the county is um, uh, willing to push the boundary enough of our legal authority. Um, but uh, um, we have been really struggled to protect trees during redevelopment of our single family property. So even at a time when we are adding to our tree canopy and public property or even in our um, denser areas, we have been losing it in single-family areas. And so um, one of the recommendations that is likely to forthcome, be forthcoming with the Forestry Natural Resources Management Plan is, can we look to just shift where the setback requirements are? If we know we're likely to lose trees in the front of yards during construction, is there a way to bring houses closer to the street and protect them more in the rear of the yard? So that's something that I know our staff is looking at. I think that's an area hopefully we could, I have uh, learned to never say this with zoning studies because there's always something surprising, but hopefully we could move with some alacrity. Um, and I think that is uh, uh, indicative of the type of thinking that we're seeing out of that forestry and natural resources plan. So dollars, action, and Mary, I, I take your exhortation to heart investing in trees and, uh, and changes, not just talk. 
Thank you all very much. Next is from the audience, um, Edie Wilson. Five seconds, Edie. Five seconds. They are eight months, nine months. When we asked why they have signed too close. they said permits. Please come do an inquiry. But this is just terrible. Vacant storefronts with signed leases? Why? All right. So, you know, I'll, I'll start off and then Mr. Carantonis, you know, I appreciate it. I, I live close to Sherlington and I've been awaiting Jenny's ice cream. I was waiting last summer. Can't believe they're not open yet. We've been having a, what is it, a Captain Cookie and the Milkman that has similarly been waiting for months down here at Courthouse Plaza. I get it. I don't know the root causes for all of these issues. Uh, I would assume that they're not all government related as you soon, seem to be assuming. Um, but I will take your question as an invitation to find out specifically if there are any thematic root causes that link these that are areas that we can address. As you well know, we have um, existing within the county manager's office and also in the commissioner of the revenues office persons who are devoted to serving in an ombuds capacity to unstick what some kind, sometimes can be the sticky bureaucratic widgets of government. And if there are opportunities to deploy these very talented people, I would be more than happy to make that happen. But I need to do some investigation to figure out the specific areas that you've outlined. Mr. Karen uh, I, I was going to say exactly the same, but uh, I, I've heard of the issues. Uh, and actually, it comes uh, during the pandemic years, there was a lot more a lot more complaints because of the lack of personnel, because of the inability to inspect properly, et cetera, et cetera, and some, you know, uh, sclerosis in how you know flexible, you know, we we uh, uh, could respond to all this. Um, I hear it um, more than enough times every month, and we try to figure out a, a, a way always to help so that we can expedite that. So it's uh, literally a uh, good use of the time of our ombudsman and uh, a good also use, and I take that as a, as a reminder to look at the processes and see if we can unstick as Mr. Dorsey said, and stick some, you know, maybe maybe there are procedures that need to be, you know, reviewed. Now we typically don't dive into this very minutia, but uh, a, a inquiry will actually reveal what the matter is, and we'll get back to you. I think this it's timely, and I just associate myself because the permits. I've gotten a couple of emails over the last three months with respect to permitting, and so I think it rises to the level of our inquiry is appropriate. Uh, you know, but I don't know if everyone knows, uh, in the pandemic, significant investment away from any of the incentives that Ms. Crystal mentioned and into small businesses. This is a distinct issue in the past. Permitting problems, I think, could be relevant. We went online. I think you've asked a time-sensitive question, so I'll help Mr. Uh, Dorsey follow up. Thank you. All right. Here's a question on commissions. The perception is out there that there's considerable variation in the goals and influence of the approximately 50 board commissions. 
Many of these represent expertise, but not diversity in opinion. Others focus mostly on community review. Would you be willing to review the commissions to clarify the goals of each commission and the expectations for their individual policy review processes and to make membership selection more transparent and accessible to the public? Ms. Crystal's going to start this conversation. I'm going to be a little glib and say absolutely, because we already do. So this work of reviewing the charge of each of our commissions is ongoing. It is something that each of us take really seriously as the liaisons to uh, about one-fifth of the commissions. And it is really important to ensuring that they continue to function well and that they are a good use of the time of the civic leaders who dedicate their time to it. 